is film like milk. Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's, mm, damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Hi, and welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we decide if a film has gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, and joining me today, strangely, because we've never done this before, especially not 80-something times, is my friend, David William Rollett. David William Rogers. There it is. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How's it going? It's going well. I, yeah. you know, I'm very excited to discuss this movie. I think we're on a bit of a trend at the moment, but it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, we can we can break out of that. We're um, we're not exclusively doing drag films. <laughs> I was gonna say it's not intentional. <laughs> no, right? it's just it's uh, one thing led to another, yeah. and then it leads to a conversation, and that leads to an actor, and then I was like, oh, this movie. Exactly, yeah. and it's funny as well because I. I do feel like there is so much like symmetry and similarities in film sometimes you know you it's it's true it's like you watch something and you're like oh my god that guy was in this thing and then it's like it all you know at the end of the day it's a small percentage of people that make film um especially in the united states and you see a lot of the same mm-hmm. faces and you you know you explore a lot of similar themes but having said that okay. it's just us today which we love because it's mm-hmm. we get into it what is the film we are doing <sighs> The film we are doing is The Birdcage, 1996, directed by Mike Nichols, and the writing credits go to Elaine May, and she did the screenplay based off the like OG play, mm-hmm. and La I believe Cage this Fall. was made. In, yeah, and this was made to a movie in in France as well, wasn't it? At one point, yeah, and this I was think a remake. so. Yeah, it seemed like there was a movie that was made in the nineteen in nineteen eighty and then nineteen eighty five. Because when I was mm-hmm. reading the Roger Ebert review from this from the nineties, he was like, you know, even though there were two other movies, <laughs> you know, the same, mm-hmm. and it's like for you and I, this feels very original because I don't think we either of us have seen the other no. ones. So it's like. What is it? Lacage? Lacage Fall is the, okay. I believe is the... 1978. Yes, that's a play as well. And then this is also okay. a Broadway show. So this is kind of like if they took Cinderella and made like a Broadway show or a, a film called like The Glass Slipper. And then that was the first uh, one you saw and you never know, knew about like, you know, yeah. Cinderella. So that's okay. my take on it anyways. But yes. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Um, it is the first time you have seen it, I believe. It is, yes. I, I've known about it, like seeing the movie poster, things of that nature, yes. knew a couple actors that were in it. Yes. Um, especially Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. Of course. But aside from that, I had no idea what this movie was about or what I was getting into. Yeah. So. Um, this is a favorite of mine, actually. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember my mom must have exposed it to to me when I was younger because watching it, I think we've talked about this with other films that we've seen or that you've seen that I haven't seen, you know, you just like kind of grin when you like, you don't remember like every moment of the film, but then you, you you know, you do like, I couldn't remember how it ended. And then I was like, Oh, that's right. And yeah, there were just moments that I adored. So I think cause it's your first time seeing it, you should give us the little synopsis. Yeah. Okay. So you got, um, Robin Williams character, Armand Goldman, and he is a gay man. And is it, um, they're not in Miami, right? They're in um, South beach. I think that's, I think that's Florida. Yeah. They're in Florida. Yeah. Um, but I think South beach might be Miami, especially like, the way it yeah, looked. And- I thought it was either that or like Miami or West Palm Beach. Okay. 
And I, but regardless, you and I are great with the uh, Florida geography, clearly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Robin Williams' character, he owns and operates a drag club. Mm-hmm. He, he's a gay man. His um, significant other, his partner, is Nathan Lane, mm-hmm. who's Albert. And when Albert goes up on stage, like the main attraction, basically at this uh, at this drag. Uh, drag queen bar or cabaret, Show, would yeah. you call it too? Oh, yeah, yeah. Boss big productions, cabaret, yeah. big song numbers, live music, just a good, good party. And so basically, um, <laughs> Nathan Lane's character Albert is just this huge, just like <laughs> if you thought of somebody being dr- overly dramatic. It is Nathan Lane in mm-hmm. this movie, and it's just hilarious. So he thinks that to start with that Robin Williams character is cheating on him. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, it was just um, Robin Williams has been sneaking off trying to set up for his son to come visit. Son comes and visits, tells Robin Williams, hey, Dad, I am engaged. He's like, what are you talking about? You're only 20 years old. Um, yeah, but I've been married or seeing this girl from college for like a little over a year. I want to marry her. Come to find out. Her dad is a senator, right? Um, a Republican, very conservative senator. So he basically asks his dad, like, hey, they're coming into town to meet you. I need you to play straight, conservative. Um, Robin Williams' character is Jewish. He's like, I need you to play Christian just for this one meeting so things can go smooth. So um, I can be with the woman of my dreams, basically, right? So all that comes. Nathan Lane's character gets upset because they don't want him around. He accidentally puts on women's clothes pretending to be um robin williams son's mom and just it all just goes to shit the um (laughs) the senator is played by gene hackman and the senator's mom is deanne wiest and it's just uh it's it's a good movie Calista flockhart yeah some really um, interesting names hank azaria christine baranski just a lot of a lot she's of very actors. she's very um, recognizable from a lot of like TV dramas. I feel like she's definitely yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I'm so happy that we're doing this film. So it's funny to do this movie right after To Wong Fu with Love, Julie Neymar, because this movie came out in 1996. To Wong Fu came out in 1995, and. Priscilla Queen of the Desert came out in 1994. So you've got these like three movies that kind of in their own ways, you know, obviously touch on things that were important to the community in in like a serious way, but this is probably out of the three of them the most like lighthearted in my opinion, you know, of that mm-hmm. three movies and it's not like they don't have important messages kind of under the surface, but there is more lightheartedness to it. Like I think for me the biggest theme that is something that they're tackling is like a pretending who to be someone that you're not and asking someone to to change who they are. But also like through the film uh, Nathan Lane's character Albert keeps bringing up this palimony agreement which is kind of I looked it up so it's like a it's like for for couples that live together it's like a live-in partner thing but without mm-hmm. being married and obviously married, yeah. in the 60s you know we only got same-sex marriage semi-recently in the United States so you know there are some and then to have that relationship mirrored with you know his son's relationship and he's able to get married no problem even though he's only fucking 20 years old you know yeah. his relationship and basically Albert raised yeah um yeah, he is his. But I just think Val. I think it's interesting that you've got like a straight couple who are like eighteen and twenty respectively who can get married no problem, and then you've got a couple that have been together for twenty years, mm-hmm. and they have way less legitimacy than these kids. So you know there are some, and then of course there's the the acceptance of the of who they are, which is obviously a big thing.
everything and, and let's talk about it. So right off the bat, I think this film shows us something that is a very universal um, thing that we're always talking about, which is like, you know, the left versus the right and like the differences between people. And I have to give major props to Gene Hackman. I think he plays, you know, a Republican senator really effectively. Um, but it's interesting that when the two families do come together, like, you know, midway through the film, he actually like really likes Albert in drag. He doesn't realize Albert's in drag. And I think, yeah. you know, you and I have talked about this privately, but it's like, we're not actually that different, all of us, you know? Yeah. He thinks she's a sweet woman. Yeah. And that um, Robin Williams Armand is just kind of like maybe mentally abusing her, not letting well, he her be who she he is. What's going that on. She's, yeah. That Albert, uh, in, you know, dressed up as Val's mom is just a sweetheart woman, vulnerable. And that's, yeah. you know, she's from a small town and he's just really um, engaging with her. As, yeah, like he sees her, he sees her else. heart, and then you find out that it's yeah. a man, and mm-hmm. he's like, he, it literally, you can see the wheels turning. Like his wife, I think, catches on um, a little bit earlier. Dan, like something's going on here and with the family, and, and he's like, no, I, yeah. I, I totally agree. And even then, when he the wig comes uh, off, he's like, I just don't get it. And she's like, it's a man, god damn yeah. it! Like, and he just like still cannot believe because he can't believe that he himself would be like like duped i guess i don't know yeah made such a connection and not yes. seen that with uh, someone that's that's in drag um but yeah so i think the thing that obviously that that stuck out the most to me is like this movie wouldn't even exist if Robin Williams's character Armand had just turned around and said no i'm not going to fucking pretend to be someone i'm not you know mm-hmm. and it's actually when i watched it for the you know the first time as a kid i didn't realize that you know, you're just kind of a kid, so you accept what, what's happening in the story. But as an adult, I'm like, that is so fucked up to ask your parents who have given you everything. Like, this kid is off at uni. He's obviously been well-fed and well-raised and, mm-hmm. you know, given the best, very best in life to turn around and say, like, I need you to be somebody that you're not to impress people that you don't even know. Yeah. That- That's why this movie is so good, right? Because you have the time, the era where it takes place in that there's no way if... I- if I just say like, Hey, I have two dads, right? Um, can you guys come down to Florida and meet them? I want to marry your daughter. There's probably no way Gene Hackman's going to come down. Like they're not even well, going to jump in the car. We should back up right? too. Part of the reason that the families decide to meet is that Gene Hackman's character, Senna Tequili, is actually selfishly wanting to take the heat off of his um, running mates. Um, <laughs> Scandal. Uh, not, not running mate. It was another like a senator, an- um, another senator that they were on like some board of like ethics. Oh, that's and right, the moral something like that. Yeah, moral, yeah, and moral compass, something like that. And he died. That senator died <laughs> with a pros a, a, a minor prostitute, and then they kind of get a little little racist because oh, they're yeah. talking about they keep talking how oh, she's, she's black. black and like the blacks like and the, and typical be- senator. Yeah, that's why they're saying like Gene Hackman did so well. He's like the blacks aren't gonna want to vote for me now and stuff like. <laughs> Yeah. But that is, it's funny. It's like, that is like kind of a joke at one point where he's like, wait, she was a prostitute and she was underage and she's black. And to me, I'm like, yeah. the fact that she's underage is the most fucked up part. I think you need to reassort that, yeah, you know, it should be first because yeah. that's really fucked up. But yes, I mean, I hate to say it, but oftentimes these stories do come out, you know, the guy that's like so against um, gay marriage, like will get caught, you know, in a bathroom getting blown by a dude. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, do what I say, not what I do. But that's why they end 
up going down to meet there because they think that they can spin this wedding into like a wholesome family values type media thing. And of course it all blows up in the face. It's another, another layer that he's going through Mm -hmm. that, that, um, if Val didn't ask his parents to do this, mm-hmm. you know, there's just no way because uh, Dan Weiss character saying the whole thing like, no, this will this will shed a light over that. You know, they're a good family. They no divorce. Well, also the thing, that, they, the thing that they don't ask is, you know, what color is their skin? But it's kind of assumed, you know, the way that Callista Flockhart's character, Barbara, explains the family they live in like a well-to-do area near the near the bushes you know that it's Mm -hmm. very like coded language it's that happens today sure like my my partner said she showed her grandparents a picture of me and she was like oh shit bracing you know he's gonna be this you know black or whatever and the grandma uh, Libby's grandma's just like Libby he's bald <laughs> but she was thinking like this may she may Be, have comment a problem. on his skin color oh. or not even a problem but just say like bring it up right so to your point like them not saying it they probably didn't even think that there's a chance that she was dating totally somebody that it's, wasn't white it's funny I know my brother listens to this podcast religiously so shout out to Kipling but um, he will tell you as well so my late grandmother who was a sweet person and you know was very well traveled for a woman of 96 or 7 when she died you know uh, used to live abroad and blah 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 even she like in her older age became very like white centric i remember my cousin um is married to a half egyptian girl and uh my grandma was like you know she's muslim and i'm like she's not muslim she's her dad is from egypt and then i remember you know growing up in high school for those that listen often, I lived in Hong Kong and graduated high school there. So a lot of the dudes I dated were Asian or mixed race. You know, it was, we were very like, everyone was kind of from somewhere else. And I remember when I I used to carry a picture of my boyfriend in my wallet and he was like half uh, Finnish, half Chinese. And I remember, this is so fucked up, but my grandmother looked at it and looked at me and was like, let's try to keep the family white Paris. And she fully said that. And it's just like, but you know what? Old people are going to just like say it out loud. At least she was never like coded about it. She was just very like, here is my opinion. But it's fucked up. Yeah, true. And I feel like people are getting more and more... um you know, courageous with those, some of those opinions today, like not yeah. even older people, which I'm, to be honest, uh, it's, it's fucked up, but I'm kind of fine with, cause I want to know. You want people to be outwardly racist. Exactly. Like, I, okay, well then I know that's where you stand. I avoid you now. Yeah. It's, um, it's fucked up. And it's, it's just something like if you and I had kids at some point, I don't think either of us would like give a shit what that person looked like or what, no. you know, it would be like, are they a good person? Mm-hmm. And, and also in this, okay, to that, they changed their name from Goldman, which is clearly like of Jewish descent to Coleman. Mm-hmm. And I mean, <laughs> that's just something <laughs> in this. Coleman to Coleman. Yeah. The thing yeah. about this movie, I saw it in Roger Ebert's, I think, article. It was like, everything that can go wrong does go wrong. Mm-hmm. So backing up. Okay. Yes. The fact that both of your parents are men. Cool. Uh, you live above a nightclub. Cool. Uh, you have a houseboy. <laughs> 
He's a great character, played by Frank Azaria. Yeah. What a great performance. Um, Agador, the, the housemaid boy, he's like, can't wear shoes because he lives in Miami, you know, yeah. and he's Guatemalan. He doesn't. I, I just thought that performance was hilarious. But then they even like, even he, they call him Spartacus. Like, why wouldn't you just uh, call him Ag- by Agador Spartacus? Yeah. Well, no, because, uh, yeah. When once, they, once he becomes the butler for. Once he, well, when yeah. they arrive, they say his name is Spartacus. And mm-hmm. then Robin Williams's character forgets and calls him Agador. And they're like, oh, we call him Agador Spartacus because he likes to be called by his whole <laughs> name, which, first of all, is an amazing name. Yeah. But. So, a little background on that. He was actually. Um, so, David Allen Greer, do you know who that is? Uh, his name's really familiar. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was like in Jumanji. He mm. was on In Living Color, which the show like the Waynes and Jim Carrey were on. Jamie Love Fox. Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. So um, comedian, actor. He was actually set to play the butler. Right. Mm. But um, Robin Williams was like, I don't know, man. It's kind of fucked up to have like a black actor play uh... our butler. You know, he's like, so why don't we just have um, Hank play both characters? Mm. Because mm-hmm. Hank was just the hairdresser and like makeup, right? And then he's like, "Why don't we just have Hank do both characters?" And that's the role for for. And I feel like, yeah, um, I mean, I feel like if they'd split that role Agador. up, it wouldn't have been as much airtime for either of them, and for either you, actor yeah. would have gotten a chance. I mean, it is fucked up, you know, as we discuss things that there's not really any people of color that get lines, so it's a very whitewashed film in mm. some ways. Yeah, but as Hank, like, uh, he's. I think I feel like his descent. Yeah, yeah. He, but still, he talks about his grandmother. He like ended up copying her, doing doing like some of his voice and stuff like that. He's like, wait a minute, this is this is my grandma, right? Yeah. But I mean, okay. Well, then what I'm trying to say is, there's no people really of Asian or you know POC descent. Yeah. Um, Besides, which, like people in the show. There's some, yeah, uh, like, I I always notice it now. There's one police officer outside his house when they're like trying to break the story. The senator's house that has a line, and he's a black guy. And I was like, oh, there it is. It's the guy from the. <laughs> that looks back, you know, four weddings and a funeral (laughs) that we talked about. So there there is some of that. But I think, yeah, this movie obviously is talking about a lot of different um a but lot this, of different this things. is hard though seeing that because like how do you feel about that so you take away a role from a, a black actor but it was like on the other side yeah but it, it might it's to their point it's like it's kind of a fucked up role to put them in that role yeah i mean either to make, make you a butler for like two white people right like make the make the senator's family black you know like uh yeah or if you to redo it today something yeah yeah because I, I noticed that with the driver too, the driver's white, all the reporters are white. So it wasn't like it was a less than, they just didn't have a representation yeah. at all. Um, but yeah, and there's, you know, on the topic of like race and racial depiction in this film, uh, there is the start of the show um, with the birdcage show where they have like kind of people in like, what's the term? stereotypical uh, dress you know I noticed it right away like there's a there's a drag queen of Asian descent and she's wearing you know something that like is just so over the top and like you know quote unquote oriental-y type mm-hmm. is what I want to say and then like they do have this quick change where then they put on like Native American headdresses and gallop around on stage like it's just a bit I know it's the 90s but it's a bit like ooh you know that there's some specks of uh, some mold in this milk. Yeah, right that now. never aged well. No. Uh, Native American. But I really don't think people were thinking about that in the 90s because didn't the Redskins just change their name, the football yeah, team? And, and it took 
forever for Native Americans to push that narrative because yeah. people just didn't give a shit, uh, which is kind of like, fucked up. Please stop appropriating it's, our culture. Thanks. It's like out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. And that's what they yeah. did to, you know, you guys go over there and you're, we're not going to worry about you in our society that we built on top of. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks top for the land. land. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and then um, <laughs> they use the term fag a lot the f word um it's not a nice term now people don't use it it's very Mm. you know you and i both have a big problem with it we've talked about that many times in the podcast um but they frequently refer to themselves as that and there was also a joke where it was like i think it's at the end so basically nathan lane's character albert kind of leans into this like republican guy and she's just drinking a bunch and she you know it's starting to use the talking points that are like we'll get this senator on side like talking about abortion like why don't we just kill the mothers you know if the if the <laughs> fetus is going gonna anyway done. Yeah. anyway and then there's something about um you know gay people in the military and he's even like don't ask don't tell like there was just so many things where i was like i mean this screenplay i really want to read it it really pushed yeah. the envelope and i think it was well well done and you know the jokes were well timed they cast so well so originally it was supposed to be steve martin as armand and then um rob williams as albert scheduling issues steve martin couldn't do it um and robin williams was talking about he he honestly didn't want to do the role of albert anyways because of misdoubtfire yeah Yeah, so they found nathan lane doing he was a star of a broadway show at the time cassim and he's hilarious he's so funny comedic timing and just oh the hysterical-ness of it all yeah and the vulnerability and then some he even says um he like I think it's like when he put a suit on or something like that. They're talking about him, you know, playing that role, and it's like, oh, I guess it is really. Don't ask, don't tell, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He is gay so as well, good. Nathan Lane. Um, but during when this film came out, he was not openly out. Oh, so okay. I'm, you know, obviously, like one day when I get to meet him, you would love to ask about his experience of, you know, being a version of. I mean, the thing is that's such interesting about this film is the layers to it. So I read online you know, the Republican Senator is playing a role of the party. He's playing a version, you know, and then you've got like Armand and Albert playing a role, you know, of what they think they're supposed to be. And then on top of that, in the very meta sense of it all is like, these are actors playing roles. So it's just so fascinating to dive into it and see, you know, we're all always playing a, a role of some kind. Like, you know, I put on my work voice and I do my work things. And then with my best friends, I can be really vulnerable and we can like talk about shit that's real, you know, and then you there's people that you know you have to be careful about or there's like the role of playing the the daughter or the son so i think that was something that was kind of meta about this film was just talking about like who we are to other people and you know how hard it is to just be yourself yeah but in the end they are which is amazing okay this is who we are and then they gene hackman's family well him and his wife you know like you feel like they accept it because they're in drag yeah, and they're walking That's how they get he out. He starts loosening up a little bit. Gene actually starts to have fun. Yeah, he starts <laughs> to like, yeah, getting the stick out of his ass. And he, <laughs> he's just, uh, and seeing him in drag was hilarious. Oh, 
gorgeous. <laughs> and Diane West. Diane West makes a very yeah, beautiful looks, drag queen. She looked great. Yeah. Yeah, with that black hat on. And the, yeah. yeah, she, she looked great. It. It's, it is interesting, though. Like, I think what Armand, the character of Armand, gives us is somebody that is living his truth. You know, like he, and he even says that to his son. It's heartbreaking in the beginning. So basically, to backtrack, his son comes to him and says, you know, I'm getting married and you need to tone this down. And there's a scene where he, like, runs his finger down his dad's cheek and then rubs it on the wall. And it's like, he he's like, so what? I'm wearing foundation. So what? And then he sort of, like, points around at the house, which is a lot of, like, homoerotic art which mm. like fuck it that's the shit he likes that's what he wants in his house it's in my opinion a lot of the stuff is really cool like that painting was really cool like you know it's um i think th- my biggest takeaway from this film is like it is really hard to be your authentic self and what nathan lane and robin williams gave us in their in their characters at least of um armand and albert is people who are living their lives and being accepted in their community. Like you see Albert walking down the street. Everybody loves him, mm. you know, Albert, come here. We've got lobsters. And he's like, not today. The yeah. the piglet is home, his yeah. son. And to you know what? To his credit, that character, his son is constantly pushing him away and basically saying like, you're too much, you're too much, you're too much. And, you know, I, I can only imagine co-parenting a child that would feel so hurtful to be rejected like that. Yeah. Uh, during it, yeah. But then at the end, he's like, no, this is my mom. Yeah. And he doesn't even, like, look over at, you know, Christine, um, Catherine, Catherine, his actual mom. who She's never put it in a, any of it. Yeah, they give it a little back uh, detail that she snuck. She was doing a show with Robin Williams, um, you know, 20 years ago or so. And she snuck. She paid the bouncer to get into his room. He was like, all right, I'll try having sex with the woman once, see how it goes. She gets pregnant. And then they, she, uh, yeah, she just puts herself in a bed. And you know what? As a character, although, I, you know, she has a redeemingness at the end, mm-hmm. she does sexually assault him in her office. She's yeah, like, like unbuttoning his, his shirt. Hair, trying to get him again. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, please stop. Like, yeah, but he's yeah. trying not to be rude about it and he's like yeah, oh yeah. this is silk actually if you could just not, <laughs> not and then that. and then albert walks in and is like albert is like constantly convinced that robin williams character is cheating yeah armand and he's not he's just armand to me is like the gruff you know gay guy that like kind of had to fight against a lot of injustices and like is now living his dream and is really grappling with the fact that his son is you know he's i think as a parent you you think that you you want to be your kid's hero and he's like being realizing that he's his son like wants something different and i'm sure that's yeah again i'm very hopeful yeah but uh, like again at the end he's val loves his parents it's just he's in a hard spot because he's what he's trying to do for the woman he loves right yeah um but also so, it's kind like, of he, on, he it's, did hurt their feelings you know throughout and at, at the end he's like hey man this no this is yeah this is my, albert is my mom but it's also oh. like Callista flockhart's character when she's telling her parents what his parents do she's like oh he's the cultural attache to greece mm-hmm. and it's like did you guys discuss this because like this lie you You're could just from the hip you could yeah. just say they own a nightclub yeah. you could just say like whatever <laughs> that's the thing i think what's hilarious about this like we we're saying like or they own a restaurant yeah they just li- they lie yeah. too much like unnecessarily yeah. so like, just make agador agador <laughs> And be like, they have a gay butler, so what? And you know? I love it, too, because the timeline was condensed, right? So if you you take all these issues, just like death at a funeral, is kind of, mm-hmm. you know, all these things start 
clashing and colliding in a in a narrow time and then they're just people are just freaking out they're trying to hold up the lie and more lies like they're holding up a bunch of plates trying not to fall and that's where you get all this like comic comedy gold. yeah and it's just so funny um robin williams actually did slip when he had that soup pot in his no, hand frank azaria i read was the one no that no frank was uh frank uh or sorry hank azaria was sitting down and oh. they're in the kitchen it's uh robin Williams, Hank, and uh, their son Val, uh-huh. and he's like, he, Robin Williams gives the notes, says, "Go down, put this on the door, give this to Catherine." He's like, "I'm gonna make sure I give them more soup so they don't get to the bottom of the bowl." Mm-hmm. And he slips, and Hank's sitting right there, and he drops, the, he like falls out of out of the shot, pops up, and at the time, Hank Azaria is like kind of like crying, we're like, "You were doing too much," and uh-huh. this, you know, I worked really hard on the soup. And he gets up and you can see he like kind of laughed. I Tries watched the scene a couple times. Yeah. So and I read. Well, and then Robin Williams does it too. He pops up and he's still trying to yell. And his like voice kind of breaks oh because he was God. trying to hold back the laugh. I totally yeah. read that wrong. And then on, when I was looking at the trivia facts online, I was like, because I do feel like one of the funniest parts of this is the physical comedy. Obviously, mm-hmm. you've got Robin Williams, a master of physical comedy. And then Hank Azaria, who I keep calling Frank for some reason. My brain's not working. <laughs> Every time he slips over in the shoes, he's like, no, I cannot <laughs> shoes i was screaming was like three inches in the back of those oh, you can see that, that for sure yeah, yeah. So but he's just all of them just so physical and even like he was shooting heat at this time yes too. that's right yeah. oh, so he would, so he would shoot to like 6 a.m and then he would go to to the set for this so great well i did see because obviously like um you know, Robin Williams and Nathan Lane are master improvisers. I did see that the director had a deal with them that they had to do one day with the <laughs> script, which is poor script writers, yeah. lovingly written, and then they could like bounce off it. Yeah, you know? you're saying get it right to where I want it, and yeah. then you guys yeah. can do it. Improv. Which is he's fair, like, obviously. Like they were geeking out all the time, but some of the scenes were just too much to work for the movie yeah. that they improv. Yeah. Um, you said, but there's throughout the movie, there's, love there to is see a what lot of improv. Fell onto the cutting room floor. They should just yeah. make a whole second movie. One of my favorite scenes in the film is they're rehearsing this you know, show with Albert is the star. And there's this like sexy, you know, Lothario guy that's kind of, I think the premise of like the fake show within the show is that, you know, she dreamed of him and then he is like dreaming of back of her. Like, you know, she, he's her fantasy and he, and then he becomes, she becomes his fantasy. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? Just stand here. And Robin Williams does this incredible physical thing where he's like, no, you can give me Madonna, Madonna. And he does all these different like physical things. He's like, but inside, but inside. And apparently that line was improvised by the director when he said that, but do it inside. Shit like that's just magical. Just magical. (laughs) I... I can't imagine, honestly, anyone else playing these roles. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I think it would have been interesting to see Steve Mann, and I'm a huge fan of his, and I'm loving Only Murders in the Building. I'm devastated that it's, you know, coming to an end soon. But these two together, Nathan Lane and Robin Williams, what a treat. Yeah, fantastic. And when they're talking about, I was geeking out when they're at dinner, or sorry, they pop into the restaurant because uh, Nathan Lane's like having like an issue one of his issues because (laughs) oh my god this is uh you know the world's collapsing and then he's like i just need you to yeah we'll try to make you the uncle i just need you to be a little more masculine stop doing the thing with the pinky and he's Mm -hmm. like let me see you walk and he starts walking he's like no it's like no like do it like um john wayne john wayne and he does it and then they did the thing goes no good and he goes 
No, it's perfect. I just didn't realize John Wayne would <laughs> yeah. walk like that. He's a I little, Amand is a little harsh to <laughs> Albert sometimes, but I think you can tell it's like the frustration of being like, I've been putting up with this shit for, for 20, 20 years. years. Yeah, and but like he's just, because he, he's kind of over it too. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's doing he, it he has, he's, he's trying to put mustard on his toast in the same scene and he's dabbing it on. He's like, no, we don't dab it. We schmear, men schmear. <laughs> and, and then he pierces the toast and he like falls apart. But I will say that is something that you that's interesting is like one issue is like there is no one way to be straight there is no one way to be gay so like having Armand teach Albert how to be more masculine like clearly out of the two of them Armand leans more you know he's wearing pants and whatever and and Nathan Lane's character is much more flamboyant I just Mm -hmm. think it's important to to verbalize that like you know now thankfully in 2022 like gender is fluid you know you can be a super effeminate straight man and you can be a super you know that i just it's interesting that the, you know that teaching him how to be a straighter version to be the uncle and i'm like i feel like you could be whatever but not in the 90s apparently yeah, well it's specifically to the senator yes right like this is what we need to do to try to get this senator to have the senator feel okay yeah right so it's just i, I think yeah. 100% agree with what you're saying, but for this, like, moving the situation. They're kind of tailoring it. It's yeah. tailoring it to this guy who, like, you're saying, playing a representation of that party, that political party at the time. Because Callista Flockhart fucking made shit up and was like, yeah, he's this and this. Like, just make a lie. Listen, if you want to tell a good lie, something I learned is you've got to root it in truth. And so... Yeah. There was so many ways they could have done it. And yeah. Yeah. No. My, my acting coach calls it uh, your talent troll. Okay. Right. So, and Libby and I were watching something and I was like, that was the worst choice that that guy, I think it was in Nathan, <laughs> Nathan or sorry, the rehearsal uh-huh. that we've been watching. Yeah. And so that, some actor just made up some crazy like choice. And it's like my acting coach would be like, so you tell your act, your talent troll, be like, Hey, talent troll, do this for me. And your talent troll be like, fuck that. Like, where did that come from? Mm. You know, like, how am I supposed to do that in the next 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. Like, so you, like you're to your point, you gotta have root it from some truth. Yeah. Especially like if you're going to make up a huge lie. So that's, it's somewhat believable. But, um, when they're having the soup and dinner, the the room that they made, you know, with those big like chairs and the cross, I yeah. was geeking out about just the setup for that. You know, so it's crazy. Like, it might have might as well have been like in a church, like yeah. some cathedral. I wanted that apartment so bad. I mean, before they took all the stuff out. My favorite yeah. was when they move out all the stuff that's like all the penises. And Albert's like, we've been robbed. <laughs> they've just like taken everything cool away. Um yeah, I mean, I think you got to live your life. Be real. Be be mm-hmm. who you are. But another thing that kind of aged for me was the amount of smoking depicted on scene. I feel like that would not necessarily fly. Today. I don't know what the censor's laws are, but um, yeah, it was a lot of smoking. Yeah, and you, can't, you don't want to get the, uh, the mess black up lung. the lungs. Yeah, yeah you definitely it's don't. Too, too much. Um, yeah, and I think that was a lot of the stuff we've kind of covered it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's a really fun movie. I think it's obviously not without its problems. And I think, again, for me at the central core, it's like you've just got to love the people around you for who they are. You know, you mm-hmm. you can't – I mean, maybe if I was like going to a 
cemetery and I brought a really loud friend, I'd be like, Hey, you know, or something, you know, that's the only like thing for a reason. Or something. Yeah. yeah someone that's just, like, just calm it down for a second. Yeah. Someone well, that like notoriously in, takes a voicemail on speakerphone, you know? Yeah. It's where you're at. Uh, yeah, I did that the other day. I was on my headphones and we at a restaurant cause I had a work call and I was, I was like, went off mute and I said something super loud in the restaurant <laughs> and Libby's like, hey, chill, like, chill, yeah. fuck up. Like where oh, are your surroundings? And I'm like, Oh my bad. Do you ever um, <laughs> relive like cringe moments? When I was in Montana shooting a commercial last year, I had my hands full and I took a call on speakerphone and the proprietor of the cafe ran over to me and was like, no, we're not doing that here. And it was like, <laughs> so obvious that I was from LA and I felt yeah. so embarrassed, but I wasn't trying to be a selfish prick. I just was had no hands. And I sometimes yeah. lie awake at night and think about that guy and how much he hated me. <laughs> that's how I am. You just fixate on those moments in time. You're like, oh, it's good. Um, if you, if you lived in this movie world, would you rather be in Gene Hackman and Diane Weiss family or in Armand and Albert's family? Um, definitely. Uh, Armand's family. Yeah. Like, they, seem, they seem like they had a blast. The Achilles, like, I'm sorry. May, maybe my my the political parties will change. I hopefully they add more except for two options. But I just don't think I could ever get down with a family of a senator in a Republican Party. Mm. That is just like you saw. You talked about black people, and then he said um, Hank Azaria's character is like from like beige. You called him like a beige savage. Oh, did you wow. catch that? No, I did not. Yeah. That's yeah. rude as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And they just didn't they just didn't even yeah. seem to really love each other, that that couple, versus like Armand no. and Albert, who, for all their problems and hysterics, like really seem to deeply care about one yeah. another. A good foundation. It was built out of love. Their mm-hmm. relationship for Val. Like Albert was crying going through that picture book. I know. Holding yeah. the shoe. Did you see he was yeah. holding the little baby shoe, <laughs> crying into it? Um, we gotta talk about Robin because he's such a central part of this film and I think I was even texting you while we were watching this movie I was like I really miss him you know Mm -hmm. and I don't think you can watch a movie like this where he's such a central part you know without addressing the fact that he unfortunately did kill himself Um, and I think we've talked about you know in our personal lives you know it's a really hard time in the world right now it feels like I mean Mm -hmm. maybe it always is but I think post pandemic a lot of people feel sad and down. I felt sad and down. You know, it's, it's a weird time where it's like, we're working so hard. We're kind of like, we don't really have any guidelines anymore about like how to navigate COVID, which is still (laughs) running around and, you know, shit's expensive and whatever. Um, was it hard for you to watch this film, you know, knowing that like, we don't get any more Robin Williams films? Yeah. And like, I mean, and it was sad that he, they killed himself, but it was because he was losing himself, right? Because of the disease he had. So, you know, being in those shoes, being such a guiding light and being a joy to so many people and doing what he did. And then knowing you're just going to continually get worse and worse where you're gone, basically, yeah. right? But, um, yeah, it's just, it, I think... Um, like a like a week or so ago, people were posting about him because it wasn't like the anniversary. His anniversary, yeah. yeah I saw yeah. his son was posting on Twitter. Yeah, and he's just, um, yeah, I just miss him so much. Like Hook is one of my all time favorite movies. I know, me too. Right? And then you just the range that this guy had and all the emotions that he could always tap into, and the characters that he produced, the right? voices, and the physicality, the voices, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, just what what like. 
an amazing career and all the just being able to touch all the lives that he did um, is just fantastic. So, yeah, I feel like he, you know, even though I didn't know him, like he was a friend to me growing up, like his Mm. genie. I love that character. Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. 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 You know, Hook. I loved our our talk about that on our podcast where he is like the stressed out 90s dad. Like he really played them all, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Um, Goodwill Hunting. Oh, so amazing. I saw um, Steve Martin, you know, in later in life, of course, regretted not doing this film, even though he couldn't, because he and Robin had appeared on stage together, but they never did a movie together and they were very good friends. And I think about that now because I think, you know, you look at like what Nathan Lane and Gene Hackman and all these people went on to do. Calista Flockhart became Ally McBeal, you know, one of the highest rating rated shows in the 90s. And it's like they had no idea that they were getting to work with someone that wouldn't, you know, be around forever. I think it's important to take a minute and appreciate, you know, the the people around you and the experiences that you do have. But I think these guys knew that they had something special. I saw the director did a screening at Martha's Vineyard for the entire like cast and crew. Mm -hmm. And uh, everyone was like crying. And he was actually really angry because the director, Mike Nichols, right? He had been written off at one point. And so had the screenwriter. She did a, she directed a film called Ishitar and it like didn't do well. And so they kind of got like professionally canceled in a way. So this Mm. was a triumph for them because I think if I'm not mistaken, it grossed like $127 million domestically. Yeah. And 185 million worldwide. Wow. Yeah. He's like, um, I realized I had no inkling for my anger at the people who had written me off my reaction Mm. Instantaneously was fuck you bastards. Um, Thought I couldn't couldn't do this anymore. Well, look at this. Yeah, which is yeah. I'd be like fuck you bastards too. To be honest, still got it. Still got it, baby. Well, Uh is there anything else you want to point out about the film? I think it's great. Yeah, I think this is. It is. It's. It was hilarious. I'm glad I watched it. I was. It's a good Sunday night film for me. Yeah. Um coming into the week so yeah it was, it was do good. you feel like you do you feel like kind of crazy that you had never seen it before considering how much you love robin uh yeah yeah kind of and it's like as soon as he jumped on stage uh, or on screen i was like yes you know here we go <laughs> and like how i lit up um when he popped up on camera on to wong fu you know yeah so it's just you bring that everything he he has been in he brings yeah. that kind of energy and it's uh, it's really respectable. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely not without its problems, but all in all, I think a really fun film. Um, mm-hmm. Having said that, there's definitely people from the cast and crew we need to thank. Who are you choosing for this week to give a little shout out to? I went with James Lee McCoy. In Who the is makeup, James? Makeup, makeup department. Okay. Yeah. Good job, James. So there's a lot of good makeup in this throughout the whole movie. Yes. And this oh. guy's worked on some pretty some pretty good movies. Some I've seen um, way early 90s, late 80s, like The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm. um, Clint Eastwood in The Line of Fire, which was a great flick. He has 44 credits in the makeup department. Mm. And he's worked, uh, yeah, he's worked on a ton of stuff. So James Lee McCoy, we see you and we appreciate you. We see you and we appreciate you, James. And yeah, the makeup was really fun. Well, I went casting department because I think this movie was incredibly well cast. Although I haven't, I'm not going with the casting director because I feel like the heads of department always get their day. I actually went with Ellen Jack- Jacoby, Ellen 
Jacoby. She cast the Miami extras and there were some really <laughs> fun people in the crowd, <laughs> all the scenes, yeah. having a great time. There was one extra. I don't know if you, you probably didn't notice this. There's a scene where Albert's like storming down the street and it's Miami in the 1990s. So everyone's wearing these tiny ass bikinis. There is one mm-hmm. girl. I caught it. She's with a guy. I think she's on rollerblades and she is wearing literally like <laughs> what would soon be known as like the Borat bikini, but like this tiny little string up her bum. She looked great. Um, so, you know, extras casting is really hard because you do have to make sure that people turn up. I mm-hmm. remember talking to the extras team on Sweet Girl and, you know, so much of it is just like logistics and getting people there and keeping them happy and making sure, you know, you have a lot of different looks. But Ellen has worked on a bunch of stuff, actually. So um, the... I Mordecai, a model kidnapping, looks like ultimate invasion, something she's doing. I'm just looking down here. It's, you know, power, um, lots of different things. And Charlie's Angels, Rock of Ages, anything in Florida. It looks like she's Florida based. Mm -hmm. So Ellen, uh, Jack B, we see you and we appreciate you. We appreciate you. And now, David, we must decide if this film has aged like milk or not. I feel like I know what we're going to say, but let's just say it anyway. You go ahead. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say this movie definitely held up. Um, I'd, I'd wish I'd seen it earlier, but I'm, I'm happy that I saw it now type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, I mean, there wasn't really any kind of technology that aged mm-hmm. poorly in this, right? Well, no cell um, phones because the mom cannot be contacted in her car yeah, phone. That was a useless invention. Like you couldn't call into it <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and then clothing. I mean, it's Miami. I feel like if you went there, you'd see a lot of the same clothing as, you know, if you went today compared to, to when this was shot. Um, but I mean, overall, just the characters in this movie mm. make it so great and the acting and how they bounced and played off each other. So to me, this movie was just fantastic. And I, uh, it was just, yeah, overall it was just a fun movie and it showed, um, a lot of different human nature, right. And human life experiences and what people go through. And at the end of the day, basically family wins out and, yeah. and love, you know, is love. Show, yeah, love and support for each other. Yeah, I agree with you. Yes, I think there were some moldy spots, as we mentioned, some of the stereotype depictions, the fact that there was no black people in this or Asian, you know, with anyone of diversity with like speaking lines, which is always going to be something that I call out because I think we're moving in a better direction now. But yes, I think it's a beautiful film that, you know, grossed a shit ton of money with like a gay character in the lead. And I think it opened up a lot of discussions and films like this and Tu Wong Fu and Priscilla Queen of the Desert. It's all about shining a light on, you know, people with ignorant opinions and showing you that, you know, a gay couple can just be a couple. It just doesn't matter. Two guys, two girls a man and a woman, you know, whatever the makeup is, uh, it's it's just a family. It's just love, like you said. So, yes, I adore this film. I think this is a, a classic. I think it's hilarious. And mm-hmm. I definitely quote. And also, did you notice there's a meme of a car like turning on a highway really quickly? And oftentimes the meme is like, you know, something you should be doing on the left and then like the thing that we do on the right that's from this film i noticed it when we were watching it gene hackman's character does a quick turn to try and throw off anybody that's following him (laughs) little does he know his driver has been 
bribe to tell him yeah. where he's going. And so. that was funny at the end. And he's like, Gene Hackman's like, meet me over here. And the driver's like, not for a million dollars, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> he's shaking him. his head. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if they do. Oh, they do get married. And it's funny. I was like, the last scene over the credits is mm-hmm. in a church. And on the one side is like, everybody's like very somberly dressed in what you would consider traditional like wedding attire. And then you pan over and it's all the track queens <laughs> and just everybody living the best life. Didn't they say like one of them was like, oh, Doyle is beautiful or something yeah, like the, that. Bob yeah. Doyle, who was like, a, wasn't Doyle, he a presidential yeah. candidate at one point? Yeah. Um, and then like, yeah, the little old lady, similar to my grandma saying, you know, something highly inappropriate. She's like, um, which one's the mother? <laughs> She's like, I don't know. It's like just these questions from people that didn't even know. But you know what? They're coming together. They're getting married. It's a blend exactly. of blend of families. Blend of they've got the the rabbi and the priest. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think everybody should go ahead and check out this movie if you haven't, or definitely. if you have, it's definitely worth a rewatch. Mm-hmm. But that's it for now, David. I think we'll try to not do a drag queen movie next, <laughs> just to give everyone a little no break. No promises. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you should just go ahead head and check your fridge make sure that milk ain't spoiled because gross milk is gross that's our show thanks for listening thanks for loving continue to you know love thy neighbor and ex- mm-hmm. accept people for who they are and you know what if you're gonna marry somebody and you have to pretend that your parents are something that they're not maybe you should ask yourself if this is the person you should be marrying exactly you know? all right david i will talk to you next time talk to you later bye, bye.